Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. thought Jimmy Graham would be a New Orleans Saint this morning because I sure as hell didn't. Ah, we are live. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I'm your host, Blake Rafino. This is Are You Serious Sports. We hope that you guys are making it a good one. We know that we are as well. Our first guest, John Hendricks, said he tweeted today. Is it tweeting now? I mean, do we are we Xing? Like, what are we doing here? Anyway, he's going to be joining us in like five minutes. We we got a massive show in store for you here this morning or this morning here tonight. John Hendricks is going to join us. We got to talk a little Saints. We got some LSU stuff. I thought Brian Kelly couldn't recruit. All I've been hearing for the last four weeks. Oh my God, Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. It's the same guy. All of a sudden, you're staring down the barrel of having three corners that are in the top one hundred prospects in the country don't know if that's good or not but it seems pretty good you know the last time that happened was 2011 or the players in 2011 do you remember that team because I sure as hell do needless to say <laughs> looks like Brian Kelly can recruit we'll talk about that a little bit here tonight Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show joins us at 7.30. We'll talk a lot of SEC football with him. We're going to start going around the SEC, as I promised you here, um, that we would start on Tuesday on the 25th. So here we go. We start around our SEC. We'll start with Chris Phillips uh, here tonight. Jim Harbaugh facing a four-game suspension for giving a recruit a hamburger. You heard that right. No, I'm not making it up. Let me repeat what I just said. Jim Harbaugh is facing a four-game suspension because he gave a recruit a hamburger and he lied about it. Urban Meyer got a five-game suspension when one of his coaches on his team was repeatedly getting arrested for beating up a woman. Doesn't sound fair enough to me. 
Guys, he gave a kid a fucking hamburger. Yes, we're five minutes into the show. The F-bomb's already been dropped. What are we doing here? I could go. We're going to go on a Rufino's rant tonight. I did not have three things on my bingo card tonight. Actually, one of them I did. Uh, <clears throat> a guy that's been on the show, an LSU guy, Trey Turner, signs his one-year contract. We talked about that last night. Had been hearing some things from the former AYS guest that he'd be signing. We'll talk to John Hendricks about that. Also, you get Jimmy Graham and Max Garcia also signs with the Saints. So we got a lot of Saints stuff that we got to dive into here tonight as well. And as we do every Tuesday and Thursday, hashtag Ask Blake. Thoughts, questions, concerns, fire them inside the Rudy Crew chat. And we'll get to as many of them as we can. One thing I missed in the opening monologue, Dandy Don did break the news today. Uh, Dandy Don in the morning, Blake in the evening. But he did break some news. Uh, Javen Coleman will not be signing with the Dodgers. He will be back along with, you know, we'll go through the whole baseball thing. You're basically getting almost every kid out of high school. LSU might be the most loaded baseball roster again this year. Jay Johnson, got to love it. Oh, and by the way, don't think that I'm not going to get on Tommy Tuberville's ass about the NIL regulations. Massive show. We could probably do a two-hour show tonight and not even touch the surface on every single thing that we got to cover. But let's do this because we don't have a lot of time to waste. I told my man I'd get him in here and out of here. Let's go to our let's go to our first break. Let's talk about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag and our good friends over at Gion Varney on Sons before we get to John Hendricks. Everybody do us a favor if you're on Facebook. Guys, we legitimately hit the 250,000 view mark on Facebook in the last 28 days. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Do us a favor. If you haven't done so already, like the page, hit the like and share button. Wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate you doing that. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe there as well. And you can always go to the message board, AYSSnetwork.com. Let's talk about our good friends over at Bet Online and GM Varno and Sons. We got John Hendricks next. Let's talk a little Saints before we dive in to some college football. Don't go anywhere. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first to market odds and lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag. With over 65 years of experience, nobody is better equipped to service in your vehicle than GM Varno and Sons. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motor chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. If you break down on the side of the road in the greater Baton Rouge area, they will come and get you. And the best thing about that is that they can come and get you and then they can bring your vehicle back to their shop and start the repairs right then again gm varno and sons go see him over at 2500 full boulevard give him a call at 225-664-9992 
225-664-9902. Tell me, good friend, Blake Rafino. Sit you on by. We're back. He's finally back. John J. <laughs> Hendricks. John, let me ask you right off the top. You ready? How, I'm ready. How long have you been in media? How long have you been covering the Saints? Since 2011. Okay. So, so let me ask you likely. let me ask you a question. <clears throat> you have been through I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. You have been through a lot of the Sean Payton stuff, uh, Alvin Kamara, obviously. Have you ever Drew heard Bree's of retirement? Breeze retirement. <laughs> have you ever heard of a coach being suspended four games for giving a recruit a cheeseburger? No, I, I, I can't even. Not even like four four games for a cheeseburger. I hope that was worth it too. Like, it better not have been, like, some McDonald's burger or something, which I'm not hating. I like a McDonald's burger sometimes, but I don't know. Just think about the worst burger you could possibly get. Like, that's just crazy to me. I've seen football players do stupid stuff and not get suspended or get suspended. We've been through Antonio Brown. We've done through all of these crazy knuckleheads and four games for that. And then you're talking about, like, uh, it just it hurts my soul to see what some people do these days. Jay, we're talking about a cheeseburger. I, I mean, if this man, I mean, look, we got Bobby Petrino back in the SEC. We have so many. Alvin Kamara was acquitted. No telling what's going to go on with that. I'll ask you that too. But I, I mean, come on, man. All right. So you're not here to, we're not here to talk about cheeseburgers and Jim Arbaugh with John. Just come on, man. It's, it's come on, man. College edition. That's it, exactly it, what it is. Thank you. It is come on, man. College edition. It is absolutely yeah. insane. Buddy. He speaking about somebody being back, <laughs> Jimmy Graham's back. I, I look, I, you cover the team day in and day out. Is that you tweeted that this kind of came out of left field? Number one, are you shocked? And number two, are you shocked that he is getting a full year contract? Because John, to me, it feels like Jimmy Graham's back, and he might. I'm not going to say he's going to be a lock, but you don't make that move if he's not going to play, right? Yeah, I mean, this is this is totally out of left field. And you ask anybody. When I woke up today, if I would have said Jimmy Graham, I mean, it's got to be one in a million, one in a billion. I don't know. That's just not something that would ever cross my mind. Could I saw it? At first, I was like, the way it was presented, it wasn't just a one-day contract to sign and retire. And that's why I was like, when I looked at it, because the Saints will make that, they usually are a lot more caring when they make an announcement that somebody signed a one-day right. one contract to retire. So for Jimmy, with the way it looked, pen and paper, is like, this is a guy that's about to play football, right? And so he hasn't played football in a year. He, Dennis Allen said that he worked. They worked him out. He even flew in the plane and uh, flew a plane himself to come to the workout. Oh, right. And so, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Graham, the pilot, but a guy that came in and blew him away. Looks great. They wanted to film out mentally. He's thirty six. He's getting another shot. He's in black and gold. He's back in eighty. This is the real deal. I thought it was reality TV. Thank God this team is not on hard knocks because holy crap, this would be nuts. But, you know, it's funny and it's not to even get on a rant here, but you look at the life of a running back and you can't make it past, what, 29, 30? You got a 36-year-old tight end about to come back into the game who's been out of football for a year. I'm not saying because I'm happy for Jimmy Graham, and I know fans are too. They felt a certain kind of way when he got when he left. He felt a certain kind of way, I guess, when he left. But he's back in the building. That tight end room has got to be the most interesting in the NFL. You got Foster Moreau, great story. 
Taysom Hill does everything. Jawan Johnson, a former wide receiver, he's in for a big year. You've got Lucas Kroll still on the roster. Now you add Jimmy Graham. I mean, this is an offense the Saints have now. There is reason to be excited about this team. Last couple of years, we've talked. I didn't get the greatest feeling last year. Right. I didn't get the greatest feeling the year before because it's post-Drew Brees. But this is a team that I think people are going to really start to get bullish on as we ramp up. I'm not telling you they're going 17-0. I'm not going to tell you they're going to win a Super Bowl. But I definitely think they are going to be one of the most interesting teams this year. And I am physically excited to cover training camp. 22 practices. I'm going to be at every single one of them, all of those preseason games. I am so excited to cover this team this year. Well, and John, it would be such a letdown if you can't win the division. I mean, your head and shoulders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, barring injury. I, I I hate saying that. Like, I mean, come on. Everybody knows, barring injury, you're the best team top to bottom, one through 53 on any given Sunday. Now, you're going to have injuries. Uh, one more, and I want to ask you about Trey Turner because we, I know on our show we talked about it a lot because of the LSU connection. Is this a roster lock with Jimmy? I mean, it just it feels to me, John, that there's no way you make this move if you're not really wanting him to be on this team. Am I crazy? Well, I, I think – I don't know if I'd say roster lock. And okay. I, I say that because literally I joke with somebody today. Just All they had to do is say, look, Jimmy, go stand in the end zone. We're going to throw you a jump ball. Just call it a day, right? Red zone, I know it's not that simple, but at the same time, I mean, he's definitely going to compete. I think it's pushes somebody like Lucas Kroll off the off the depth chart because I had him on the initial 53. I think that he could come in, but now it's a numbers game. I don't know if that's the case. But you got to remember the NFL's practice squad is increased to 16. That's right. There are six veterans that you can have. I'm not saying that he's definitely locked. But one of the things I will say is that they have said, the Saints, that is, Ever since back maybe February, I've been told that they have a better understanding of how to utilize Taysom Hill. I don't know if now this is more like he's truly in his gadget role. He's truly somewhere where we have – he's going to be in the tight end room. He's going to be in the quarterback room. I, I'm just really eager to see where exactly he comes into play on game days because last year they didn't use him as, as many times as they should. They didn't use him as early as they should. And a lot of that was on Pete Carmichael, and he took accountability for it. But I even charted it. It's like in games that he had 20 snaps or more, I think they were like 6-2 and two or some crazy right. record where he can affect the football game. So, But with Jimmy, look, I I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. And, of course, he's, he's one that he's a little bit older. I don't know what they're going to ask him to do if it's mostly the red zone and they're going to put guys like Foster and, and Juwan as the guys that are going to be more of your blocking. You know, it, it – certainly brings some real fun elements to this offense. I wouldn't tell you he's a roster lock on day one, but I do think that he comes out there, starts showing us that he's that player that, you know, we might've seen glimpses of before has a chance for sure. And if not, you know, I don't know if he'll make it on the practice squad, but man, I I'm just excited to see his outlook. He's, he's got a chance, right. And, and it's just an area where I, I wrote about the other day, very underrated tight end room. Now it just got to be the most under under still underrated, but most intriguing tight end room in the NFL for sure. Trey Turner is a guy that we've had on this show a couple times. We've talked to Trey. I think he, quite honestly, uh, I am biased. Okay, for more than one reason. Okay, LSU and because I know the man and the human being. Okay, the problem is you just signed a guy who's a five time Pro Bowler. You could make the argument, John, from an LSU perspective, 
might be the second best LSU offensive lineman to ever play. Maybe behind the Whitworths, you can have a Kevin Mawai, but you're you're getting into that area with him, right? John, this might. This, do you think Trey Turner is going to start? Because I think he's going to take somebody's spot. That's me personally, because I know the kind of player he is. When you saw that signing today, what we are officially today, I guess. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it's funny you bring up Trey Turner because I, I really liked him coming out of college in 2014. I, him and Lyle Collins. I mean, those are two of my favorite guys that they've had in recent years, you know, and of course they've had plenty of great offensive linemen, but nobody stacks up to Kevin Moore, like you mentioned, or Whitworth and such. But, you know, look, for him, interesting enough, Dennis Allen was asked today, was this related to maybe injury with Andres Pete or Cesar Ruiz? He said no. It wasn't anything like that. To really really interrupt you, do you believe him? No, you're good. Do you believe him? I'm not, uh, for Pete, I I know he's not going to last the whole season. Just he just never has, he never will, right? I, I, I okay, to, I, right. I would love to see him go 17 games plus the playoffs. It just doesn't happen, and mm-hmm. you got to come to grips with it. Will he get traded? I don't know about his contract and stuff, but I digress. Ruiz is the one that maybe bothers me a little bit more because with Trevor Penning, so him and Trevor Penning both had Liz Frank injuries, they both had to have surgery. Now, Ruiz was around during OTA's minicamp, as was Trevor Penning. The difference that I saw, Penning was out there doing stretches. He was doing a little bit of soft stuff, like nothing that was contact as far as an offensive lineman goes. But he was doing things where Ruiz was just kind of hanging back in the shadows. They haven't made a move or put anything like that, but I think they're going to ease him a good bit in. The depth behind him is where you say, okay, maybe this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Because for the Saints, and I think most teams, you have got to have the solid B plan a B plus plan and the C plan, right? And so last year they had an undrafted guy like Lewis Kidd make the roster. They had somebody like Calvin Throckmorton that ends up starting games for him. So now you you draft rookie Nick Saldaveri, which I think can be outstanding. Uh, I agree. I think he has that potential to be a tremendous offensive lineman, somebody who could start for you if you don't keep Pete, somebody that could even take Ruiz's job if they don't don't come up with something there, right? But you know, a guy like Trey Turner pushes somebody like Lewis Kidd, somebody like Calvin Throckmorton. I mean, he's instantly, I'd say, when you look at the top two guards, if he's not the top two, he's got to be the secondary option behind one of those, if one of those go down, right? And so, because he's a five-time Pro Bowler. I mean, this is a guy who can play football. He can do a lot and, of And, John, he kicked our ass for four straight years in Carolina. Like, this isn't something that, I mean, you're not getting that dude, okay? But he kicked our ass. And one thing that I, I it kind of told me, personally just not even just as a fan it would tell me oh, okay so you're putting the clock on Cesar Ruiz you're putting the clock on Andrews Pete and that's what you mentioned all right I told you I want, I'm not going to keep it long I got one more I got to hear about I, Isaiah Foskey we can talk the whole show for it <laughs> okay Isaiah Isaiah Foskey I know what I'm going to get with uh your boy from Clemson I, I look co- covering college football he is an injury prone waiting to happen. That's how I feel just watching him. I hope he doesn't. What have you seen from Isaiah Foskey so far? Well, look, I'd say this. So when if people that don't know, when you're watching OTAs in minicamp, there is no contact. There is nothing. So when you go in and base and you look at all these, all you can look at is how they move because you're not looking at anything else because you can't. There's right. no blocking. There's he's not getting jammed at the line. He's not there's nothing there. 
I like his athleticism. I like the, the his intelligence. I love the fact that he's a sponge and learning behind guys like Cam Jordan has made it a point. Like the, what excites me about him is his passion and love for playing football. Bingo. Now, Peyton Turner, a guy not trying to, to drab on him or anything like that, but he's a guy that has to live up to a lot of hype. And for Dennis Allen to even talk about it today, that look, they're just looking for development not the end result out of Peyton Turner. And it's important for him to be here. He's been here since day one, but a guy like Isaiah Foskey and the way he, his energy is and just some of his raw athleticism and him working and talking about how he's going to place his hands. And literally he's talking about reps and he goes up to cam and says, you know, was my hands okay on that one? You know, is this what, you know, just, mm-hmm. just a sponge. I'm not saying that wasn't what Davenport did or Peyton Turner, but I think with Foskey, he has a passion and love for playing. He knows the opportunity that's in front of him. I'm really excited to see what he can do. And the fact is they can use him in a variety of combinations. And I'm not going to tell you he's going to start. I think he's a guy that can come in on pass rush situations, different situations, and really affect the game. And so, look, I am so excited about him and seeing him. But OTA's minicamp. You just don't see a lot out of these guys in the trenches. Same, it's just, it just don't. So now when we get in, we're going to ease into training camp, you know, shells, eventually padded practices. Then we'll really start to say, okay, maybe his, this guy's got some pass rush moves, blowing away people. I can't wait till we see the first Trevor Penning fight. I mean, all this <laughs> stuff is going to come in because you know this is what's going to happen in training camp. You get these offensive linemen and defense linemen, you just going at it, and these guys are going to take exception to it. So I want to see what he can do, and he's one of the ones that is high up on my radar. I really think that he has a chance to make him a name for himself this year. I know Lawan said that those padded practices here in camps are worse than the games, which I don't know if you listen busting with the boys, but like I, I listen. Down here? I know. He said it, it's, it's brutal. All right, I'll – I lied. Very quickly, you think Joe Burrow's about to be the highest paid quarterback in the league after what just happened with Justin Herbert? I think he I think he has to be in that conversation, man. You know, look, Herbert, I love him. I think he's a great quarterback, but Burrow proofs in the pudding. Look, he's led this team championship, Super Bowl, all those different things. Like I just think the end result for Burrow and what he's been able to do, you gotta make the case for him. I mean, I think Herbert's a freak athlete, freak of nature. But I think Joe is a freak athlete, freak in nature. This guy plays with an incredible amount of, of just swagger, suave, all those types of things that I just think that doesn't matter what it is. It, he's a guy that, I mean, you saw it at LSU. I saw it firsthand. This guy will get hit and come up and smile about it. Like, he's just got that mentality of just, like, nothing phases him, and he's going to do everything he can. He handles himself extremely well. I think this is a guy that's going to be in line for a huge payday. And I, if he doesn't get paid on the tier level or higher, I'm going to be really shocked. I, the only reason I wouldn't be shocked is because it would fit his personality to make the team around him better. Right? Like True. That, that would be so. that would be the only reason. That would be a Joe thing to but, do. But the next time that you get in front of Cam Jordan, you got to do me a favor. I want you to ask him what he told Joe Burrow in that last drive uh, when the Saints played the Bengals. And Joe ca- called out the defense like five out of five times on that last drive to, with Jamar Chase and the hitch route for a touchdown. Sources around Baton Rouge said that Joe was uh, telling Cam what, what they were running and, and Dennis was about to call a timeout. So that, I mean, it just kind of, oh, you know, wow. kind of shows you the kind of duty is. All right, John, you know I love you. 
I'm so ready for this. I'm so ready for this season. It feels like, I don't want to say like Texas, we're back. It feels right now. You know what I mean? Like it just, it feels yeah. right to, to be a part of this team. But you've been fantastic as always. Tell everybody where they can catch everything that you're doing because it's about to be, John, we're here. I mean, it's it, yeah. it's on now. Yeah. So let everybody know where they can catch you. the busiest of bees for the next month six months probably oh yeah, yeah. definitely over the next guys i go pretty much six a day or six days a week honestly but you know all my written work can be found at saints.media or si.com slash nfl slash saints blake has been generous enough to show my twitter handle i'm out there on all the other things whether twitter maybe it's x we can't gotta remember this blue bird that's no longer we're, thing, we're right? triple xing that's what it's, i said we're x. triple xing i i don't know whatever the hell it is i'm on that platform at most big things whether it's meta stupid thing threads <laughs> instagram i don't care and then i'm waiting for my blue sky invite because i've heard people be like why aren't you on there yet and i'm like i gotta get my invite code first but i'll be on there too i'm on right. youtube i'm on boot crew media doing videos i'm doing videos on si so if you don't see my face and you don't know my face then i'm sorry i don't know what rock you've been living under <laughs> trying to give i've been trying to cover this team as much as i can for the past 10 years so but come talk at me, and I'm sorry I ruined your football games. Uh, one of my buddies, not named Mike Bazil, <laughs> texted me when he saw, you know, we did the thing about uh, you coming on. He goes, he said, tell John that he was 97% right of calling the actual thing on Twitter before it actually played out in real life. You know, because you're, you know, everybody says that you tweet what's going to happen before it happens. I'm so, from the future. You're yeah, from the future. everybody says I'm from the future. Oh, well, it's true. All right, John, we'll see, you so, we'll see you soon, man. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. That's John Hendricks. Always fantastic. All right. We're not going to go to the break because we have in nine minutes uh, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show. We'll start going around the SEC. Let's get into some LSU. Everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. I do love everything that John said there. I agree with him 1,000%. There's nothing that John just said about the Saints that I don't agree with. Let's talk a little LSU. Look, tomorrow Kai Bates is going to commit. I think you know where I'm leaning at this point after we talked about last night. Just, I, I saw it again today. I, I saw this again today. Is Brian Kelly having trouble in recruiting? Okay. Listen, I, I, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm just going to tell you this. You're staring down the barrel of getting three corners that are in the top 100 prospects in the country. <laughs> you better be careful of what you're saying and how this team is progressing. We got a massive week in recruiting. I didn't mention this in the opening monologue, but this was going to be our main talking point. So whether it be on our message board or whether it be on, you know, in the comments during or after the show, a lot of people have been saying, hey, Blake, can you break down the LSU depth chart or just starters the way that you see it offensively and defensively? And I've kind of waited on that because I kind of feel like you already know this, right? Like, I feel like you already know who are the guys that are going to be starting. But nevertheless, we pretty much have done this every year. Let's do it again. It's going to be – we're going to go through it really fast, and I'll give you some of the reasons on maybe guys that you don't think is going to start that I think ultimately will. Game one, 
week one against Florida State, this is how I see it going. Obviously, Jaden Daniels, barring something crazy happening, again, cut out injuries on all of this. Jaden Daniels has been is going to be here starting quarterback. It was named again that he is your starting quarterback. Why people continue to ask Brian Kelly that, I don't know. The biggest question mark that I've gotten probably the last two weeks was, what do I think the starting offensive line is going to be? I think you know what you're going to have at the bookends. I, Unless somebody, a.k.a. Zalance Hurd, is able to come in and really all this entire coaching staff and start at right tackle, I think you got Will Campbell at right, left tackle, Emory Jones at right tackle. I still think Miles Frazier is more than likely going to be at your left guard and Charles Turner or Marlon Martinez at center. One thing that I do not hear anybody talking about, hardly anybody talking about, I think Mason Lunsford from Maryland is going to be your right guard and or left guard. Put him wherever you want. Guys, you're talking about an all-Big Ten offensive lineman. The Big Ten produces one thing, and it's known for one thing that's producing offensive linemen. The great thing about this is you still have Garrett Dellinger. You still have Zalance Hurd. You still have other Marlon Martinez, other depth pieces that you can kind of rotate these guys in and out. I do think Zalance Hurd is going to learn a lot about right tackle. I think he's going to learn about left tackle. The versatility that you have along the offensive line quite frankly, is, and maybe arguably, the best that we've seen in quite some time. We're forgetting about DJ Chester. We're forgetting about Tyree Adams. This offensive line unit is better than everyone has given them credit for. Those are my starting five going into week one. Now, can that change? Can somebody play into it and play themselves into a starting role? Absolutely. Emory Jones and Will Camber are the only locks on this offensive line, in my opinion. I want to see Mason Lunsford. I think he could be number three. I think your running backs, I don't throw a dart, okay? Throw a dart on who's going to be your offensive or your running back unit. That too will start. I think you're going to have more rotation at that position then you see it at a revolving door at a ho- at a five-star hotel. I don't think anybody, unless it's Caleb, uh, uh, God dog it, Caleb Jackson, I think he's maybe and arguably the only back that would get, would come up in here and completely take over that running back room because he's so talented. I still think you're going to have what Frank Wilson does best, a rotation of backs that are going to be all SEC caliber. Maybe they're not individually SEC caliber, but at the end of the year, you're going to look and say, man, our running back room is not just good. They're great. Can that unit be elite? We will find out. Wide receiver, I think it's pretty pretty simple. I'm going to give a cop-out. I think I deserve a cop-out. But I'm going to give it anyway. Malik Neighbors at wide receiver, without question. Aaron Anderson, Brian Kelly legitimately has already said he's penciled him in. Penciled him in. I think that you're going to get blown away about what you're about to see. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a difference maker. 
Guys, I will tell you, I will tell you, there is nobody on this team this summer that has had more buzz than Aaron Anderson. Nobody. Pick up the phone, call football ops, and they will all tell you the same. Jane Daniels coming off the field, Harold Perkins coming off the field, Omar Spades, Denver Harris, all coming off the field and telling coaches, Aaron Anderson is on a di- it's just a different level of human being. If that if he guys if if Aaron Anderson from what I'm hearing, if Aaron Anderson plays up to two thirds of what I'm hearing that he's doing this summer, guys, you have an all SEC performer. You have another Malik Neighbors, if not better. I love that. At the Z position, we talked about this with Carter last night. Uh, it's either Brian Thomas is going to do some really good things or Kyron Lacey's on his way. Don't forget about Shelton Sampson as well. <sighs> Defense is really interesting for me because I sit here and I, 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 I charted this because I knew we were going to talk about this this week. Defensive line in the interior, Makai Wingo, Mason Smith, Ovia Gofu, maybe at the Jack. And a guy that I don't think that we're talking enough about is Savion Jones. Savion Jones could easily be a guy that we look up at at the end of the year and say to ourselves, okay, you had a guy in Savion Jones who was a backup last year and had more sacks than the guy that was starting in front of him. The only thing that I would, I don't want to say ridicule, but put down on Jamar Kane, the former defensive line coach from a year ago, how in the world are you playing Ali Gay over Savion Jones? Quite honestly, up front on the defensive line, and I know that Chris Phillips is going to be joining us maybe at the end, we'll talk to him about Jimmy Lindsey. Jimmy Lindsey has Greek gods to work with at LSU up front. Like, Zeus has thrown down a thunderbolt into the state of Louisiana and crafted the defensive linemen. Those defensive linemen that you have right now, the way that they just look, that unit may be so electric, Elon Musk will be smiling. Triple X. I think every time we say Elon Musk or Twitter, we're going to say triple X. No, we're not talking about porn. Savion Jones is a guy that I have circled from spring until now. I think that he's going to be a game wrecker and a game changer. Can he be better up front in the running game? You know what you have at linebacker, Harold Perkins, Omar Spates. DBs, I have absolutely no idea. I think that Andre Sam is a guy that's going to play. Look, you don't get Andre Sam unless Sage Ryan, if you feel that that great on Sage Ryan, if we're being real. If we're being real. If Sage Ryan, if they felt great on him, Andre Sam would not be here. I think that you're more talented in the back end in DBU. Experience is lacking. We'll see. So you asked our starting depth chart. Sounds a lot of the same in a lot of positions. Guys that you already knew. It's going to be fun. 
Let's go around the SEC. We already went to the Saints. We already did some LSU stuff. Let's talk to our good friend Chris Phillips. Look, I got to admit, the man has more women coming after him after his SEC Media Day performance than anybody in history. The hair was on point. The clothes were on point. My man made some waves. Let's talk to him next. And this is no indication to him, but we got to talk about our good friends over at Blue Chew. I know that you guys are already fired up for this football season. You might not need Blue Chew because you're so excited about football season. But some of you, <laughs> you might need it. Go over to our friends over at Blue Chew. Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show joins us next. This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Blue Chew. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that confidence where it matters the most in the bedroom. Listen up, bluechew.com. They always say that first impressions are always the most important. What about those lasting ones? They say there's nothing sexier than a man with confidence. Blue Chew gives you that confidence back. Try Blue Chew for free today when you use our promo code SPORTS20 at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code SPORTS20. You will receive that first month free of charge. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. We're back. I heard you had women dropping their panties all over Nashville. <laughs> Not quite. Miss TSUS was waiting for me when I got home, Blake. Oh, Play okay, okay. For you. That, that's yeah. that's my fault. But she I was mean, excited though. She was excited to see me. I want to start this convo on a different note, though, Blake. Okay. I want you and your audience to know how much of a college football sicko I am. Okay. And how ready I am for the season and how I, I'm made for this shit, man. I'm conditioned for heartbreak. We just did a seat. We're doing our season simulation series right now. We're going to we simulate <laughs> every South Carolina game. We just finished up simulating. I'm talking 10 minutes ago, the game against Georgia. South Carolina goes down the field, ties the game on a field goal, 22 to 22 with one minute left. Oh, Georgia's no. at the 50 oh, with no. five seconds. Carson Beck to Lad McConkey as time expires to win the game. I, I, Bring it on. Bring on 2023, man. I'm ready. I'm, I am ready for kickoff. I'm officially ready to go. I'm just going to say this. <laughs> if And we don't – on this show last year, we do not call him Lad McConkey. We call him Lad Mahonkey. Okay. If Lad Mahonkey <laughs> goes for 50 on a game winner – Ah, man, that was that, that, that guy, dog. All right, so let's do this. Let's. I, I do like those simulations. I think that they're more realistic than people give them credit for. And I will tell you this. Chris, I said this yesterday because it was announced about South Carolina going to be, you know, part of college game day week one against North Carolina. I called my shot yesterday, and I'm not saying this because you were are coming on the show. I picked South Carolina to win. I think North Carolina's defense is the so bad that I think Spencer has a really good game. We'll get to that in a minute. You were at SEC Media Days. What did you? What was the biggest thing that you walked away from for you through all that experience and talking to all those head coaches? 
you know, Blake, and it was a rewarding experience. I, I'll say this. My biggest takeaway, not regarding the coaches, the players, was all the great people in the building, all the talented Agreed. creators. It was the who's who of college football Twitter, of college football media, getting to meet so many people. And I was hoping you'd be there, my friend, because we've got to cross paths one day, obviously. But so many there. guys that I've done shows with and, and made great content with and work with and getting to shake their hands and conversate in person, I feel like, you know, I, I strengthened relationships and cre created new relationships that I'll carry with me for forever, practically. But, you know, speaking specifically to the coaches, the players, you know, one of my biggest takeaways, I, I thought everybody was pretty on guard, honestly. I, I didn't feel like there were any major storylines. I think, you know, for everything that we were talking about coming into the week, I, I thought there wasn't a whole lot of hoopla. You know, even Kirby Smart with the off-the-field stuff and, you know, we're all sitting there thinking, who's going to grill Kirby? Who's going to bring it up? There was one question by Pat Forty, and outside of that, it's just all football stuff, which I know Kirby Smart obviously loved. Uh, you know, Blake, obviously getting the week kicked off, being able to ask Brian Kelly a question was really cool for obvious reasons. And it was really cool, obviously, for me personally being in that room, asking those different coaches questions, stuff like that. But, you know, there weren't really any major storylines coming out of media days. I mean, I right. think day one, you know, Brian Kelly was confident. You know, I thought it was interesting he talked about that maybe we're, we're kind of a year away from really having – the roster, the depth to really go toe-to-toe -to -toe with, with Alabama-Georgia. Not necessarily, maybe maybe trying to temper expectations a little bit, but obviously he knows the standard in LSU. It's winning national championships. And, right. you know, you can kind of feel it, you know, not to cater to you and your audience, but you can feel it in Baton Rouge that it's like women's basketball wins a national title, baseball wins a national title. And now it's like it's turning into title town, and so now all attention's turned to Brian Kelly and the football team. It's like, all right, it's your turn. You know what I mean? So – um, I, I thought he was great at the podium, though. You know, Jimbo Fisher made waves on day one when he could have just sat there and said, hey, I hired Bobby Petrino. He's calling my plays. Instead, he goes on some long rant. Well, you know, we he's a good coach. And we figure <laughs> out the game plan week to week. And, and it's just like he created more drama than he had to. Maybe it's gamesmanship. Maybe Jimbo Fisher's ego really just can't get out of the way. Um, to rudely to rudely interrupt you, what do you no, make of that? What do you make of him not being able to – to just say that Bobby Petrino is going to call plays. Yeah, I think Jimbo's fighting his ego a little bit. But, you know, from what – I'll tell you this, and I thought my buddy Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports, Blake, I thought he made a great point that you learn a lot more at SEC Media Days from the local guys on those beats. Like, because they 1, know the scoop. They know the skinny, what's really going on behind closed doors past the coach speak. Based off what they have said, and I even talked to a Texas A&M guy this morning for our opponent preview series, and he was talking about a conversation with Connor Wegman where Wegman, you know, I don't know if he meant to say it, but said that, hey, Bobby, Bobby's calling everything. He, he's handling everything with the offense. Jimbo's, you know, giving input here and there, but it's been Bobby's show since the spring. Now, does that carry over into the season? We shall see. But, you know, based off what I heard from A&M people, Bobby Petrino's got full control. You don't bring a guy like Bobby Petrino in to – butt heads with Jimbo because Bobby Petrino has been around. He'll just walk out. You know what I mean? Like it is, right. this isn't some guy you can bully around and, and make him do what you want. So, you know, that was somewhat of a storyline. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin on the final day, spending 25 minutes talking about NIL and it looked like he tied so one on the night before at, right. at Broadway in Nashville. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, truly, it looked like he came in wearing the same clothes, hair done the same way. Like he had just had an all night bender down there at AJ's down there in Broadway. So, um, and I was just – what irked me about that is I'm like, this dude has one of the best quarterback rooms in college football. He's got Quinshawn Jukkins at running back. Nobody wants to talk football. It's all – and I was texting you about this all week. I know. Some of the questions, I'm just like, 
I'm like, maybe I'm a simpleton, but like, I just want to talk ball. And I know there's people in there that are writing national stories and they're casuals. And so they want to get the sound bite they need for a story. But I'm just like, how many different ways can we ask Lane Kiffin the same question? Granted, it worked because I look on ESPN, the headline, Lane Kiffin says college football's a mess. You know, but like, for those of us who actually like college football and like the games and like talking predictions and breakdowns, I would have liked to heard him talk about Spencer Sanders at quarterback, Jackson Dart, Walker Howard. Um, you know, on the South Carolina side, Shane Beamer was the same infectious self, um, you know, really captured the room, took control. I, you know, I thought, I think he's optimistic about his football team. He's also very quick to point out the deficiencies, areas need to get better. I'll tell you this, Blake, I played a game of stock up, stock down on Friday when I got back. Stock down for me is Auburn because I thought Hugh Freeze, and I say stock down because I've seen our guy like Jake Crane say eight wins. You're seeing Auburn fans, you're one of Freeze, eight wins, nine wins. When your head coach is taking the podium and saying, hey, Auburn Nation, we need you to be patient. Like when they're pleading for patience, that tells me He's he scared. knows that. Right. I mean, he just, and he even said on the podium, I've never come into a season as a head coach with this many question marks. Like, I think he understands that, and they've got some nice pieces, but the roster, it's got to be a complete roster overhaul. And he's doing a great job on the recruiting trail portal, but it's going to take some time. And I think he was trying to set some real expectations in year one because everybody wants you Freeze and Auburn to be to, to, to be Georgia, to be Bama. So early on, it's like, hey, let's slow the roll. Let's make a bowl game in year one. Let's build from there. Stock up for me, Blake? Kentucky. I, you know, listening really? to Mark Stoops. Kentucky. Listening to Mark Stoops. Preach on physicality. You know, he, he was what I expected. You know, he's very good with the media, but he was very much as I expected about, hey, the physicality. We want to win the line of scrimmage. Identifying they did not do that well enough. But really one of the reasons I was stocked up as well, Blake, is I, I really took a moment to kind of dive into their roster. And specifically offensively, like when you look at what they picked up, they got a transfer portal O-lineman from Bama. Transfer portal O-lineman from Southern Cal. They got Ray Davis from Vandy. They got Demi Sumo from NC State at running back. They got Devin Leary at quarterback. They got Liam Cohen back. They probably got the best group of receivers Mark Stoops has ever had. You're like, this offense might be pretty damn good. If the defense wasn't what gave them trouble last year, it was the offensive side and specifically the offensive line. line if their right. offensive line can hold up, they avoid injuries because I think depth's a concern. Bro, Kentucky could be an 8-9 win team this year. I think they can make a major bounce back. And then, of course, last but not least, being in the room with guys like Kirby Smart, like Nick Saban. You know, I'd never done so. And I thought Kirby was cool, right? That that was a really cool experience. But when Nick Saban takes that podium, man, it's just like you the can feel it in the room. The air goes out the room. The air goes out the room. You can feel it in the room. Everybody's hanging on every word. Everybody's paying attention. Nobody's messing on their phone, talking everybody's paying attention to every word he has to say. Nick Saban was a lot more jovial and a lot more, you know, joking and, and kind of, you know, with the media than I expected, which I had people tell me, and I know, again, you won't like to hear this, but people are saying, you know, maybe Saban knows something about his football team. We don't, how good they are and that, you know, what have you. I'll say this, Blake, I still picked LSU to win the SEC West. You already know that. Your audience knows that. Um but if Bama finds a quarterback, we might be having a little bit of a different convo if they – if, if, major if. And I thought it was fascinating, Blake, that the media voted Alabama because it is – what like, you think about it. Again, I talked to you, and I don't know if I'm – you know, maybe you swayed me one way. But I think LSU's loaded. Top to bottom, like, there aren't many question marks. There's some, like every team. There aren't many. Alabama has a question mark at the most important position on the field. 
Right. Yet the media was like, I still just trust Nick Saban to figure it out. Like, he's the GOAT. I get it. He's the GOAT. And it's asking a lot to go two years in a row to win the West. But I think it's interesting how when we came into the week, most were saying, man, it's Bama. They got the chip on their shoulder. And I get it. They're not getting picked to win the SEC. But, like, Georgia's won back-to-back titles. What do you expect? But it's like, Bama's got this chip on their shoulder. You know, LSU's getting the love. And then Alabama's the one that gets picked to win the West. So I'm like, I think LSU's the one that should have the chip on the shoulder. You know what I mean? So it it, it was, you know, if, you, if you're a college football diehard like you and I, Blake, you can find the storylines and dive deep into things. And, you know, it wasn't – there weren't crazy dramatics. But from the football side – there were a lot of fun things to talk about. So those are my biggest takeaways. And, dude, SEC Media Days, was, it was just a blast, man. I don't think it's any secret to you or any of my audience. I'm leaning as hard into the SEC content, the all-encompassing no SEC stuff, as hard as I ever have. And it's just because I love ball, man, and it's an opportunity to continue to talk ball on a greater level and expand my brand. And SEC Media Days was a blast, man. Can't wait to do it again next year in Dallas. The only chip – that Alabama's got on their shoulders, shoulders is, Dur- is the uh, Tostitos Fiesta Bowl that they're going to after they have two losses. Okay, so that's hey, the only chip. Hey, I got Bama 9-3. and three. There's your hot take. Ooh. I've got them. I think Texas could beat them by double digits. I really do. So if they don't buying, have that. You're buying listen, the Texas? If they, don't, if they don't have that quarterback thing figured out, Quinn Ewers and company comes in because Texas is another. I know we meant the joke. Texas is back. They got to prove it. But they're another team. When I sat down with their Texas guy, similar to how I sat down with you, and we broke everything down, you look at their roster and you're like, bro, there ain't no excuse for Texas not to be lethal this year. I mean, I know they're Big 12, and maybe that talent doesn't quite – but Texas ought to run things, dude. Like, they they, they are – they should be very, very good this year. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I kind of feel the same way, funny enough, looking at Texas A&M's roster, too. Again, we so, talked to a guy Chris, this that's, morning. And- that's what I was just about to say. Like, I mean – Outside of quarterback in the SEC, okay, it's the complete opposite of the Pac-12, but in position group-wise, it's deeper, okay? <laughs> From top to bottom, right. you have potentially three defensive linemen that are going to go in the first round at A&M, okay? And so I'm like, everybody's like, oh, we're going to run A&M out the building. I'm thinking to myself, shit, if they, if they figure something out offensively, you ain't running them out of nothing, Okay. You know what's interesting you did bring up? And this is the question that I'm going to ultimately have in the West, and I do want to go back to Kentucky after we're done with this, is being Saban can only take you so far, though. You know, like, Tommy Reese still is not a good play caller. You know, like, how far does that take them? And to me, I don't know if you feel like this, I don't think Saban has an answer at quarterback right now. I mean, I think if he did, we'd know. I mean, I, I don't think he would just play mind games and gamesmanship and, and wait to name the guy. Yeah, I, I don't think they know who the quarterback is. And you want even more evidence of that, Blake? We talked to different people, and I asked three different people to name the starting quarterback for Alabama in game one. All three of them had different answers. Like, nobody knows. Like, nobody knows. Right. i tell you this. I'd be stunned if it's Tyler Buckner. I, I would because I thought it was so interesting. I forget what show it was, but I was listening to some Notre Dame show, and – or, or some show where a Notre Dame guy was on, and they asked him about what were Notre Dame fans' thoughts when Buckner and the Reese thing happened. They were like, Tommy Reese, hey, he paid his dues. He's a Notre Dame guy, but, like, he spent his time here. Best of luck. We're happy for him. Mm-hmm. They said, the Tyler Buckner thing, it's like, he wasn't good enough to play for us. Like, what makes him good enough to play for Alabama? So, 
I think Tyler Buckner's there as a security blanket. I don't think he's a realistic shot to win the job. If he does win the job, I don't know what that says about that quarterback room. I think it's going to be Jalen Milrow because of what he provides the offense with his athleticism. I agree with that. But I, I tell you this, it does sound like that Alabama is going to get back to ground and pound running the football. And, I mean, when you have a quarterback like that, you have to, right? But, I mean, that's their bread and butter, man. I mean, you look at last year. They were, I think they were top 10 in the country in yards per carry, but they were 82nd in attempts per game. Like, it just can't happen. I just, that can't happen, man. That, you, you got, you got two pass happy with Bryce Young, and maybe that got them out of their flow, but that, that, that's what I come back to. You know, I picked LSU in the West because they're loaded, in my opinion, like all across the board, but also Bama's just got insane amount of question marks. I, that, that's what it comes right. down to. Alabama has more question marks. Than LSU, they've got to answer more questions correctly. I agree. Than LSU does. There are more knowns. I mean, you mentioned it. You went down the position groups, right? I mean, it's it's, and I don't think Bama's like a bad pick. You know, nobody's going to be shocked. I mean, LSU does have to go to Tuscaloosa. That's right. Not an easy place to play. Like that, that could be the game that decides it. But I think Bama might have a loss or two by the time they get to that. So, Ooh. do we see a scenario where Bama beats LSU and LSU wins the West anyways? I, I mean. Maybe. Oh, that 1,000% could happen. Yeah, I mean, 1, LSU might lose one game, and it might be that one. So, yeah. I mean, there's a chance they could still do it. But If we yeah, won I mean, the West, if LSU won the West and lost to Bama, I'd be okay with it. Oh, I mean, why wouldn't you be? <laughs> the, the ultimate goal is to get to Atlanta. Who no gives doubt. a damn? You, you, you can have the uh, the pennies. We'll take the dollars. Yeah, I beat them last year, and it didn't mean anything. So, why <laughs> won't I beat them now and try to go to a playoff? Chris Phillips is part of the show joining us. I, before I get you out of here, Chris, I do want to talk about Kentucky. I thought that that was really interesting. It's kind of why I wanted to bring you on, and then I want to get to South Carolina to, to wrap it off here. I'm not. I, I, maybe I'm. Maybe I just don't like Mark Stoops. Maybe I think he looks like an. You know, like I don't know what he looks like. Maybe I just don't like Mark Stoops. He's got this weird hair thing going on where it's like halfway back. That's where the hair begins, bro. He really I, does kind of look like a peacock. <laughs> Like it, I, I feel just like, let it go. Hey, like like they said in Frozen, let it go. Well, well, not let even that. If he would have been on the other guys with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, like I'm a peacock, you gotta let me fly, and they showed a picture yeah. of him. It, I think it would be iconic. But you you you're walking away saying, man, Kentucky might do some things. Why do you walk away with that and saying that you you kind of like Kentucky a little bit? Yeah, well, like I mentioned, man, going back to the offensive side, I mean, I, I like what they added in the portal. That's first off. They had to address the issues on the offensive line. They did so with transfers from Bama, Southern Cal. They got some big-time Power 5 guys. I love Dar Devin Leary at quarterback. I know he was banged up last year. Look at his year at NC State, though, in 2021. He was one of the best quarterbacks in college football. They had a Devin Leary for Heisman campaign for they him did. at NC State they going did. into 2022. Liam Cohen, the last time Kentucky's offense was really rolling, was 2021 when he was there. The right. NFL thing didn't work out. Stoops gets him back in Lexington. Again, the group of wide receivers they have with Barry and Brown, Dane Key, and others, and those guys are young, too. They're only going to get better. Uh, I think those guys are going to continue to flourish. And, dude, I think back to Devin Leary. I think Devin Leary, after this year, I think we'll be saying Devin Leary was a better college quarterback than Will Levis. Like, Maybe Will Levis is a better pro prospect, but I think Devin Leary is a better collegiate I agree with that. And Will I Levis, agree with that. I do. And then you look at the running back position, man. I mean, Ray Davis at Vandy quietly had 1,000 yards. To rush for 1,000 <laughs> on Vandy? Like, you're pretty damn good. Right. And then Demi Sumo coming from NC State, that's another quality pickup. On the defensive side, I mean, I think they've got some questions to answer, but but I trust with 
the style of play that uh, that Mark Stoops has, the physicality again, they're going to be solid there as well. So I'm not saying Kentucky's going to challenge Georgia for the SEC East or anything, but you know, I thought maybe after last year, okay, it's Kentucky. They're going to slip back to six and six, five and seven, struggling to get to a bowl. And I just have to remind myself that like this is not the Kentucky of ten years ago. Like like mm-hmm. Mark Stoops has turned this program into a real legitimate threat in regards to you talk about. I mean, listen, Kentucky's a middle-of-the-pack SEC team. I know LSU, y'all don't know anything about being middle-of-the-pack, but let me give you some insight. Shit, Ed Ed (laughs) Orgeron got us there. I mean, shit. Being a middle-of-the-pack SEC team, like there's a number of teams. A couple of things go wrong, they could go five and seven, six and six. A couple of things go right, they could go nine and three. I see Kentucky being one of those, but again, when you have all the additions specifically on the offensive side, that was their Achilles heel last year. When you have all the additions on the offensive side they had and you bring Liam Cohen back at OC, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. And again, I was able to ask Mark Stoops about his about his wide receiver core. Dude, he just lit up. <laughs> he I mean, did. He, he was so excited to talk about those wide receivers and you know, maybe he was just excited to talk football versus NIL and transfer portal. But either way, he was pumped to talk about those guys. I think he believes they'll be a lot better. They're going to get back to that physicality. They've got viable options, again, to replace Chris Rodriguez. And, you know, again, I'm not saying they're going to win 10 games, but don't be surprised if Kentucky finishes third in the SEC East. You know what the biggest thing – you talked about Beamer being himself that I walked away with, and people forget – is, you know, every time they say, well, South Carolina lost a lot, Jaheen Bell went to Florida State. That's all I continue to hear, right? Jaheen Bell, Jaheen Bell, Jaheen Bell. And it was so funny because Shane Beamer goes, well, you know, we got in a a freshman named Nicholas Harbor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, he just got y'all's ass on that one. You can't say shit. Man, I'm going to be – I am not. I said this so not. I think you start off 3, 4, 5, and 0 going into the year. Man, South Carolina might be another team that could be the third in, in, in the East. Maybe even two. I mean, I don't think people realize who Nicholas Harbor is yet, Chris. I, I don't think that they get that this dude – that he's a dude. He's a guy. What do you think about Nicholas Harbor being a, a day one dude? Yeah, he's a future star for sure. Blake, I, I, I'm trying to keep realistic expectations early just because, you know, he's a football player, but he's a track guy. And the biggest thing for him is learning the nuances of the wide receiver position, right. route running, right, the intricacies of it. He does that. I mean, dude, he he. here's the thing. He's going to get on the field early because he's got things you can't teach, Blake. You cannot teach that size. Mm-hmm. You cannot teach that speed. You cannot teach that agility. He is bigger than Megatron was. Like when you look at his measurables, he's like six foot five, two forty seven, or something like that, playing wide receiver. So with that speed that he has, so to your point, man, I mean it, it, it's it's a matchup or a mismatch of a nightmare for defenses, and I think he's a guy you're going to see them use him early and often, whether it be in the the jet sweep game or the screen game or just finding creative ways to get the football in his hands. I think as the season goes on, though, you're going to see him get more involved, you know, as a true wide receiver. Because, again, it's just about, you know, he didn't go through spring ball, right? So he's going to get in there fall camp. You know, man, being a true freshman, going to be like drinking water out of a fire hose, man. I mean, it's just going to be all at once. Learn the playbook. Learn how to play this. Got to be at class. Got to do this. So it's that transition. All the freshmen hit that wall, right, where it's like, you know, you got to push through and some of your veterans. That's why it's so useful to get a guy from the transfer portal because they've been through the grind. You don't have to worry about that. But 
I mean, I think Nick Carver's a future star, man. I mean, I really do. And I think he could be a big-time weapon for Spencer Rattler this year. And the Gamecocks need somebody to take that pressure off of Juice Wells because they know they have him outside of that. There's some viable options. I mean, there's Xavier Leggett. There's the carry-on Joyner. There's Amarian Brown. There's Trey Knox at tight end. But none of those guys, I think, have ever had more than like 400 receiving yards in a season. There's nobody really there that's proven. But Nicholas Harbor, my friend, could be that X factor, I think, where he is such, again, such a mismatch for opposing defenses that, you know, he could help South Carolina overachieve the third straight year in Beamer. And to your point, Blake, you got Georgia in week three. You got Tennessee in week five. If you start 5-0, and oh, my friend, I'll throw a freaking parade. I'll be popping <laughs> bottles of champagne, my guy. There will be no holding back. I'll be smoking a cigar on the show daily if that happens. Don't say that because, listen, man, <laughs> I, I came on the show the week that LSU played Bama last year and said, hey, if we win, I'm shaving my whole beard live, and I might shave my eyebrows. But, well, and she, they luckily the chat said I didn't have to do it, so I, they, they saved my ass. Uh, let me I, – I lied. Last one. What did you think about Harbaugh getting a potential four-game suspension off, a, off a, over a damn cheeseburger? Like, bro, the this funniest- is over a cheeseburger, man. Blake, the funniest meme I saw all day was it was the NCAA, and it was when the NCAA sees money in McDonald's bags and hamburger bags, and they're like asleep. Yeah, the Squidward one. (laughs) And it's when the NCAA sees cheeseburgers in cheeseburger bags, and they're like awake, right? Like four-game suspension. Like, no no big deal, Tennessee, but Harbaugh, you got to sit out. it's do the NCAA, they just pick and choose when they want to come down on people. It's weird. There's no rhyme or reason. I mean, maybe it makes sense why they didn't, when they rolled out NIL in the portal, they didn't have any rules because that's how they operate. They, they just, right. they make it up as they go along. There's no rhyme or reason. I mean, listen, I, I didn't think Tennessee, you know, a lot of Gamecock fans thought, give them the death penalty, right? <laughs> like they want to see the worst happen to them. Right. It's a tricky situation when it's like, you know, Guys like Josh Heupel, guys on that roster, they weren't there when that madness was going on. So it sucks to punish the people that they didn't really have a whole lot to do with or if anything to do with it. You know, but to give them not even a post, like a bowl game ban, nothing, and then you're going to give Harbaugh four games for this for, you know, I know, I guess the fact that he lied is the problem. Is that what it is? I don't know all the details of it. So basically they just said the re- that him lying was a reason they got four games, but – Again, he li- – I mean, Chris, he lied over a freaking cheeseburger, bro. Right, right. Like, Urban Meyer was suspended five games when he had a staff member beating his wife. You know what right. I mean? Like, Right, right, I, right. And that's very uncomfortable to talk about. Right. Bro, but he got five games. We're, we're right. talking about cheeseburgers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're talking about a cheeseburger. Yeah. I mean, I guess the one positive, though, if you look at Michigan's schedule – it's yeah, they, don't, they don't they don't they don't need him they don't need him for them four yeah Harbaugh can can mow the grass for four weeks or something I don't know I, he, could you imagine the- watching a game with him not being the head coach of Michigan like being with him watching the game he's gonna yeah but that, that's his team though oh my god he's probably gonna lock himself in, in the basement <laughs> and just all the lights off and like one candle lit you know and just I I don't know. I guess that's a great debate, though. I don't know if Harbaugh will be losing his mind or watch the game in just pure silence. Just si- not even the TV sound is on. He's just watching the game, like sitting like this close to the screen. One thing's for sure: he's going to be in khakis and he's going to be having a whole glass of milk. He, he, the the listen, hundred percent. He's going to be wearing his game day fit. The exact no fit he would have worn on the sideline. That's what he's going to be wearing watching the game. I don't Thousands. think I've ever seen Harbaugh without khakis on. 
ever. Yeah. All right. Chris hey, Phillips man, is supposed man, man found his man found his uh his his style. He sticks to it. I like it. He's a man of simple taste. I respect it. Hey man, I I, I I ain't nothing wrong with a good pair of khakis. That's all I gotta say. All right, my man Chris Phillips, the Spurs Up Show. I know that they know where they can catch all your content, but just in case they do not, tell them everybody where they can catch everything you're doing, brother. Yeah, man. So we're at the Spurs Up Show, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I mean, anywhere you get content, we are there. Uh, we air a daily live show exclusively on YouTube called The Daily Crow, which airs noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we take questions, comments, calls. So any LSU fans that want to chime in, talk a little ball, talk a little crap, we're open to it. And uh, the podcast drop daily, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there under the Spurs Up Show. Also, we have a store, thespursupshow.com or tsus.store. It's where you get all the Beamer Ball merchandise, all the all the merch you can think of. Clem sucks, all of it, man. We're, we're branding this thing. So, nah, man, Blake, it's always a pleasure to talk ball with you. I appreciate you. And I, I've been looking at some of the comments. They said I'm the one person that can out-talk Blake. I take that as an honor, to be honest, because you, you, my friend, bring the passion. And I think I told you this. I've always said I may not be the best looking, the smartest, the funniest, but I will be the most energetic and the most passionate. And I just love, I love doing it. it, man. I've always felt like we're talking football. Like, I couldn't imagine being boring doing that. How could you not be excited? That's well, you know, and you know this as a content creator. If I have a guest on and I just know that they're going to talk, it is the most relieving thing that you will ever have. Like, hey, man, just keep going. Like, I'll interrupt you. Like, like <laughs> I'll say something in, in between that. But sometimes, man, you got to listen. And I love it. You were fantastic, man. We'll talk to you soon. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Sounds good. I appreciate y'all. Y'all take care. All right. That's Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show. Dude's always electric. All right. Let's get to our final break. I do want to mention this hardball thing one more time before we get it out of here. Let's talk about our good friend, Carol Falls. Don't go anywhere. We're back soon. Guys, you might know my good friend, Carol Falls, and all the great service that he provides over at State Farm. He is your good neighbor after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates as well? Along with a great neighbor service, State Farm agent Carol Falls has surprisingly great rates for everyone inside the state of Louisiana. So call him today at 985-395-4300, 985-395-4300 for all of those surprisingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there and individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to the State Farm underwriting requirements. <laughs> All right, so listen, I know that a lot of you have probably seen it by now. We've already talked about it tonight on the show. But in case you missed it, today was being reported by various news outlets, Ross Dellinger, Pete Thamel, so many other people, that Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the University of Michigan, is facing a potential four-game suspension because of alleged recruiting violations. Now, here's what I'm going to say. In case you missed it or don't know what's going on, apparently Harbaugh was questioned from the NCAA in reference to recruiting violation about possibly paying or, or paying for a kid to eat recruits, to eat cheeseburgers, and apparently and allegedly he lied about it. What are we doing? You mean to tell, so what? That Harbaugh, if he even did lie 
about the recruiting violation that it's over cheeseburgers. Guys, we're talking about him paying for individual people to eat. And that's a recruiting violation. I know that there's certain rules in place for specific reasons and probably for good reason. At what point do we come into college football and start using logic? You know, the NCAA is asking guys like Tommy Tuberville to do things in reference to NIL. He doesn't want players to be able to leave at, you know before three academic full years are done with. That's idiotic. It should never pass. And if it does, God help us all because I think that college football and college sports is better if kids can transfer in that one time. I just don't understand. And I know that, they, that Michigan doesn't play a very tough schedule in the first four weeks. It doesn't matter. Urban Meyer was suspended for five games because one of his assistant coaches was doing something so heinous that any man that puts their hand on a woman deserves to get their teeth kicked in. You don't put your hands on a woman. But we're looking at one of the coaches that's been the back-to-back playoffs the last two years in college football suspended over a cheeseburger. Man, the NCAA botched the Will Wade investigation. They botched the Kansas investigation. They botched the NC the uh, North Carolina investigation, the Memphis investigation. They somewhat botched the Tennessee investigation. And now we're talking about Harbaugh potentially being paying for a cheeseburger is so heinous and lying about it is so heinous that Jeremy Pruitt could legitimately be back in the SEC or anywhere if he's hired today and serve a year suspension. And it would be eight le- or, or, or he would only have eight less or eight more games suspended than Jim Harbaugh. Money going in actual McDonald's bags and actual having burgers in McDonald's bags. God help us all. God help us all. What you going to do, man? What do I know? We're talking about cheeseburgers, guys. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.